I could talk for hours and hours about what's on my heart today, but I will try to keep it at a minimum and uh, put my little timer here. <laughs> there. Did you exactly. Uh-uh. <laughs> and the old joke, I think I've told it many times, but was it, what does it mean when a, a preacher looks at his watch for the third time? Absolutely nothing. Right. So, no, seriously. Um, these last two weeks have been rough. I know that for many of us, our hearts have weighed heavy over these last few weeks. We've wept and we've prayed and begged Hashem to have his, have, show mercy on our brothers and sisters in Israel who've had their lives tragically disrupted by the thousands of Hamas combatants that have invaded Israel two weeks ago as of today. What they did to civilian women and children shows clearly this is not a religious war. Shows that this is not a religious war because there is not a God that would condone this. It shows that their intentions have nothing to do with land or an independent state. And their actions clearly communicated that their goals are aggression, dominance, and an attempt to satiate a clearly insatiable bloodlust. So my issue that I'm going to talk about in this today is how in the world do we make sense all of, uh, out of all of this? How are we supposed to process it? And more importantly, how are we supposed to respond? Um, Rabbi talked last week about how to, we're processing, how we're feeling, how the emotions are coming and the anger and are we supposed to hate and all those kinds of things. But really, I want to talk about what we can do. And especially, um, you know, the, the vast majority of us who aren't able to pick up a rifle and enter the physical combat. The first thing, of course, we need to be doing is what? We need to be praying. The second thing that we should be doing is looking into the Word of God for wisdom, understanding, and guidance. So with that in mind, we're going to take a look at the Torah and this week's Torah portion. Okay, So the, this week's Torah portion, as we've already discussed, is Noah. And if you'll hit me with the slide for verse 19, uh, Blake, um, we're going to read this. Do I have that one? I, I do not. Is it there? Do I have it? Yes, 619? No, it's okay. So it, in uh, 619, uh, it says, tamim haya bedorotav et Elohim hithalach noach, hithalech noach, excuse me. Um, which translates to, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. I may have the verse, the reference wrong, I, I don't know. Um, actually, it's 611, I'm sorry. 611 is what it is. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. There we go. We've got it here. Uh, Noah walked with God. So I want I want to draw your attention to something. We're gonna we're gonna go through different things in this parsha, but we're gonna see something that's gonna be amazing. We're gonna see how this week's Torah reading relates to everything that we've been experiencing. Okay, so in this uh, verse right here, you can see in the Hebrew where I put a box around the word Noah. This is the word for Noah. Okay. So you see the word Noah appearing once, twice, three times, okay? 
And there's a Hasidic teaching that says, this is an illusion. These three references to Noah in this one verse are an allusion to Noah's, I, I, I wouldn't say insight, but Noah's experience maybe, okay? Because Noah actually got to see three completely different worlds, if you will. He got to saw, he got to see the world pre-flood, he got to see the world during the flood, and he got to see the world after the flood. As you can imagine, those are completely different from one another, okay? Before, during, and after the flood. <clears throat> now, as far as how that relates to us, the problem is with us today, we can only see two worlds right now. We can see the world before what happened in Israel. We can see the world as it is currently while this is going on. We don't have the ability yet to see the world after this goes down and after it all pans out. We're living in difficult days of fear and uncertainty. Sure, we want to be able to see this future and know what's coming, but we haven't been granted the revelation yet. So, we have to be content with what's revealed to us this moment and do our part to act on that information. That's what we're really going to be talking about today. As I said last week, Rabbi addressed the question of feelings. How do we feel? How do we respond with our emotions and, and all that kind of stuff? Is it right even? A lot of these times we're, we're wrestling with, is, are these feelings right even? You know. And today, I want to address the question of where do we go from here? So uh, yesterday, Michael Carl, you guys know the Carl family <clears throat> um, from Florida, he shared a video, and it was of... Uh, Tehillah Gimpel, and she and her husband Jeremy are Orthodox Jews that live in the land of Israel. They made Aliyah from the United States, and they've been on the forefront of keeping the world informed about what's really going on in Israel. They do a great job of that. Um, and a fun fact is that Jeremy is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so one of the things that Tehillah said on this video was that she believed that the weekly Torah portion spoke to our current circumstances. And just like Tehillah and other religious Jews around the world, I also believe the same thing. I've, I've seen it tr happen many, 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 many times <clears throat> and over the years that I've been studying Torah and seeing, finding this to be true. And so the Lord uses the weekly Torah portion to speak truth and direction in our lives that are pertinent to our present situations as we study each week the weekly Torah portions. And this week... I believe is especially appropriate. <clears throat> so, um, if we will go to, um, and I, I think of, well, I, this is right one, uh, the one that, the slide that's Genesis 6, 11. This passage, and I won't worry, worry you guys with the Hebrew, but the, you can see it in the English. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with Hamas. Okay, I left that word untranslated, and you can see the yellow, how it corresponds there. <clears throat> so this is what we're dealing with in our Torah portion. And you hear the, the connection already, right? Um, and before I get into this, I, I've, I've, you, you can tell where it's headed, uh, this connection here. But um, yesterday I was reminded um, by somebody that I had actually taught this many years ago, made this connection between this passage and what Hamas was doing probably about 20 years ago. And now here I am teaching, and again, nearly two decades later, 
As the good book says, there's nothing new under the sun. Therefore, I'm making the same connections I made all those years ago, albeit in a deeper way, a deeper understanding and new connections for our present situation, okay? So I have to give credit where credit is due. First of all, I've already mentioned Tehila uh, Gimpel. Um, I, she inspired some things that I'm going to be speaking about today. Also, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Gordon, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, um, a blessed memory, and the Baal Shem Tov, um, and Hasidus in general, um, have inspired parts of what I'm going to say. So not a lot of what I'm going to say is actually original or new or revolutionary or, or whatever, but it is simply a reminder of the things that we need to remember. And so, in this passage, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with Hamas. Okay, if we just read it for face value, we're like, well, what is that? Well, our sages have wrestled with this, this question of what, how should we accurately translate that word for years and years and years, for thousands of years, okay? Um, and so, um, and this is according to, I got this information, of course, from um, Tehila. She said, uh, Rashi translates it robbery. If you've read your Kamash, I mean, we read the Kamash today in the Torah portion, and that's what it said, robbery. Okay, the world was filled, the earth was filled with robbery. Ankylos, who um, translated the Torah into Aramaic and into the vernacular of the first and second century, he uh, translated it as hostage taking or kidnapping. Okay. Um, Isaiah 59 uses it in the context of violence. Um, there's another passage in the Torah. I wasn't uh, able to get this reference. I didn't have time to look it up, but um, it uses the phrase Eid Hamas. Okay, if you're familiar with Hebrew, Eid means witness. And um, Hamas is the other attached word, and it, it's generally translated something like a, a false witness or a slandering witness. Another rabbi called the Ralbag, who lived at the turn of the 14th century, that he says it refers to rape. The Or HaChaim, he sort of settles the question. He says, what does all of this mean? We have all these you know, differing opinions of what this means. What does this word Hamas means? And of course, the Jewish answer is yes, right? All of the above. Um, and so we have, uh, gen in a general way, you could say the world was filled with violence. The world was just filled with, with awful, awful, awful things, okay? And so uh, it, was, it was so bad, God had to do something about it. Interesting enough, the uh, organization Hamas, um, they created their, their name not even really aware of this connection because they don't use the Bible, you know? Um, it's an, actually an Arabic acronym for Hakarat al-Makwama al-Islamiyah, okay? And it's, it means the Islamic resistance movement. But happens to mean Hamas. Hakus mean all these other things in Hebrew. And it's weird. One of the things that, that um, Tehila Gimpel um, brought out in her talk was that usually Hebrew and Arabic, they're very similar in their meanings. There's a lot of overlap in the words. Now, I've created this chart, and if you can pull it up, Blake, 
to show so many similar, similar words. Like for our English, the word for boy, the Hebrew word is yelled. Many of you guys are familiar with that. But the Arabic, Arabic word for boy is walad. Sounds very similar. The uh, Hebrew word for girl is bat, and the Arabic word is bent. The Hebrew word for sun is shemesh, and the Arabic is shams. The Hebrew for peace, as we know, is shalom, as in Macon. You may have heard that before. And the, the uh, Arabic word is salam. The Hebrew for listen is shema. The Arabic is esma. The Hebrew for day is yom. The Arabic is identical, yom. Okay? So you would think that the Arabic word and the Hebrew word for Hamas might have a similar meaning. They would go, oh, I don't know about that. We'll think, rethink that, you know? Uh, but guess what the Arabic word means? It means enthusiastic bravery. Okay? And, and the point that she made that really struck home was what for them is their greatest attribute to us is our greatest evil. And if you're, asking, if you're asking the question, why can't there ever be peace between Israel and Hamas? It's because Israel's facing an adversary whose greatest virtue is the world's greatest evil. Um, are these new problems? No. They've been around a little bit. They've been around longer than, than what we think. You know, a lot of us you know, think this stuff has come about since Israel's become an independent state. But this hasn't this hasn't just sprung up. Um, and this isn't a prophet, prophetic declaration about the end times, but Yeshua said times like this were coming. In Matthew 24, I'm sure many of you guys have already read it this week, and we read, it, we read a version of it in Luke's gospel, <clears throat> a parallel passage. This morning, uh, Matthew 24, Yeshua said, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in, in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And so <clears throat> this is traditionally, um, at least the last couple hundred years or so, um, been translated to uh, look at, it's, it's been translated to mean something about a rapture. But um, in the context of it, it really is about the day of the Lord, which judgment is coming, and there will be wars and things like this, and, and the one that's taken um, is not the one who is saved. The one who is taken is actually killed. The others are spared. Um, Sometimes we get so caught up in just living our lives that we don't see the bigger picture. We forget that everything has a purpose and history will repeat itself until everything is played out according to the Lord's will. We can see this 
with just a cursory look at the scriptures when it comes to the Gaza situation. So biblically, biblically the area of Gaza was home to the Philistines, one of the thorns in Israel's flesh, particularly during the days of the Israel's first monarchy. So why did the people who lived there identify themselves as Palestine, Palestinians? Until the year 130 CE, some 60 years after the destruction of the temple, Israel tried to free herself from the stranglehold of Roman occupation, true occupation, not what is going on in Gaza. Their unsuccessful revolt was led by the false messiah. You may have heard of this guy, Shimon Bar Kokhba. Uh, and in 132 CE, the Romans quashed the rebellion and reclaimed all of Judea. This time, they renamed it, guess what? Palestina. To distance the land from its Jewish connection and, associate it with, and disassociate it uh, from Israel completely and now reassociate it with Israel's enemy, the Philistines. Um, the Philistines and Gaza are connected even in prophecy. The book of Amos says, um, the, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four I will not revoke the punishment because they carried into exile whole people to deliver them up to Edom. So I'll send fire upon the wall of Gaza and it shall devour her strongholds. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord. So, don't, don't misunderstand me. My, my point is not to say all these uh, Palestinians, especially innocent Palestinians, should die. Uh, my point is just that this is an ongoing issue. This is a biblical issue. Um, Jew, Jews everywhere in the whole world have always under persecution. For some reason, the world has a death wish for our Jewish brothers and sisters. So this week, Hamas continues to try and kill Jews and anyone who supports them. And over a thousand rockets were fired at the city of Ashkelon alone this week. Multiple, if, I don't know if you heard this, multiple sophisticated guided missiles and drones were shot all the way from Yemen, south of Saudi Arabia, all the way up to the, they were intended to go to Israel, okay? But they were shot down by uh, U.S. military over the ocean there. Um, but this shows how serious it's getting. Uh, all the rockets, um, you may or may not know this, but all the rockets they've been firing into Israel have just a, mile, uh, a range of maybe a few miles. Okay, that's why they can't really do, a, and they don't have a, a big payload. But these were, were big time, had really serious warheads. They were guided, very sophisticated, and they were on a course for a thousand mile journey. Thousand mile journey. Okay, and they were, they were well on their way. The good news is, Baruch Hashem, two hostages were released. Um... But the situation isn't one that's going to end overnight, as the IDF has said many times, or even in another week or a month. It will continue to escalate until it's over. So, with that sort of background, 
Um, we all want to know what's going on. We all want to know why this is happening. Um, and that's, that's our, our, I think internally we're like, what is going on? Why does this have to happen, especially now? You know? um, and so, again, let's look to our tour portion. If you'll pull up the slide that we did at the beginning, I believe it was uh, the, the verse 9. It says, Ele toldot Noach, Noach tzadik. So these are the generations of Noach. Noah was a righteous man, blameless. In his generation, Noah walked with God. So what does it say about Noah? He was righteous and he was blameless. And I didn't highlight this one, but he walked with God. Okay? How many of you fit on that list? <laughs> I know I'm, I'm lacking. Okay? Okay. Uh, if, if it's face value, there's, there's a debate, as you know, within Judaism, how righteous Noah was. But if, if this is to be read at face value, then what chance do we have on some of this stuff of, of this happened to him? How do we expect it not to happen to us? I mean, we can say, of course, Yeshua protects us and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he, he was righteous. It says, blameless. And that word can also refer, it, it, it also has a, the connotation of perfect. Some translations say perfect. Yet he had to endure the Hamas throughout his life. How long did he build the ark? 120 years. All the while, people mocking him, laughing at him, jeering him. Psh, water's going to come out of the sky? You're, you're crazy. Okay. Um, so he had to endure a hundred, at least 120 years. I can't remember how old he was when, when Hashem called him throughout his life. And then he had to endure the Mabul, the, the flood. And he was in there for pretty much a full year inside this ark with a bunch of smelly critters and grumpy family members. <laughs> so that was a challenge and a trial in and of itself. Um, so, how much more so will we have to face these challenges? We have to remember that challenges, as I've said many times in the past, are not meant to destroy us. Trials are not meant to destroy. They're not meant to, to tear us apart. They're not meant to bring us down, but they're meant to strengthen us, to challenge our resolve. And yet again, the Torah portion is connected to our current situation. Our, ter our sages teach us that the Mabul, the flood, represents the trials we face in life, and they are the tests that we must endure to increase our attachment to Hashem. This is based on the passage from Song of Songs, and I forgot to make a slide for this, but it's, it's short. Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon 8, verse 7, that says, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. Okay, And so in this passage, the waters and the flood, what's, what's their purpose? They want to quench. They want to drown. And so my question to you is, what are the floods and the waters that are trying to overcome us, that are trying to overcome you? And even if it's not related to the situations happening in the Middle East, you have all, you all, we all have trials in our lives that we're struggling with, that we're dealing with, okay? We're all 
dealing with things in our lives. And, and it seems every day we get a new gift. <laughs> As Travis says, bless God. Uh, <laughs> new, new trial that we can, we can run to. Um, it reminds me of uh, 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 Boaz's football team, their, their, their whole athletic program, really a Christian um, school. And his uh, don't back away from the challenge. They looked at, at, at the passage in the uh, book of Judges, I believe it was um, uh, Samson maybe, and, uh, and they, their theme was run to the roar. When you hear the lion roar, you don't run away, you run toward it, okay? And this is sort of what our attitude should be. The Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement back in the 1700s, 1600s, um, has an interesting interpretation on God's command for Noah to do something special with the ark. Okay, there's a passage in the ark, and it's, it's a weird phrase in Hebrew, and we're trying to figure out what's going on, but, but uh, we're going to look at this. Go to uh, verse 16, if you don't mind. Okay, this is what it reads in, in Hebrew. It says, Tzohar ta'aseh lateva. Tzohar ta'aseh lateva. And this, here's a couple of translations. A window shall you make to the ark, or a window you, you need to make for the ark, or an opening you, you need to make for the ark, or you shall make for the ark. Some translations don't have anything remotely close, like the, I was reading the ESV this week, and it says a roof. But that's nowhere even related to the word for roof, which is kafar. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I don't know where they got that. But anyway, these, these are a couple of valid translations here. But the question is, what is a tzohar? What is this? Is it a light? Is it a window? I mean, they didn't really have glass panes back then, <laughs> you know? Um, so it seems from both these translations that the tzohar is something that allows light to come in and whether it's a, an actual light source or a window more like a, a, maybe a hatch or something like that that would allow, allow light from the outside, it, it's related to something like that, okay? The Baal Shem Tov somehow saw a connection between the two words, teva, which means ark, and tzachar, that means a window or a, a, an opening, okay? And said that the secondary meaning of this word teva or ark was word, like the, the, the word of God, or something like that, okay? And anyways, interesting uh, phrase, and he said this. He said, let the word, let the word, and, and the Hebrew is teva, said in Torah or prayer, radiate light. And he, there's a connection there. It says matzhir. It's uh, the same Hebrew letters with just a mem in front of it as the tzohar. For every, in every letter, there are worlds, souls, and divinity that rise up and interconnect and cleave to one another and to the divine. In this way, all the worlds rise and become as one, and then, they, uh, then there is immense joy and immeasurable delight. So what, what does all this mean? In other words, life will be filled with problems, and his message to his Jewish brothers and sisters was Jews can overcome this, this through love and attachment to Hashem, to the Lord. And so um, my sort of exposition, my sort of take on this is that all of us must enter into the ark of Torah, prayer, 
and mitzvot, so that the light of Torah, prayer, and mitzvot can illuminate the world. And how, do this, how does this work? Because the, tor- the world can't be illuminated with darkness, okay? And so we can't go out and just, you know, this is, this is one of the issues that, that people have with Israel battling Hamas. Um, it says basically you can't fight evil with evil, okay? But that's, that's not what's going on here. But in, in the sense that we have to realize the same thing. We can't shine our light if we don't have light within us, right? So we have to, quote, turn on the light within us first before we can shine it into the darkness. And so how do we do this, you know? You're, you're feeling helpless. Um, I know that a lot of times I, I feel helpless. It's like, what, what can I do? I just want to run over there and help and whatever, but I feel like I can't do anything about it. I just, there's nothing to do. But, again, what can we do? Let's turn again to the portion of Noah. Um, there are different opinions, as I mentioned earlier, I alluded to earlier, that Noah was righteous. How righteous was he? Because there's one opinion that says, uh, can we pull that passage up real quick of uh, righteous? It says, he was righteous and blameless in his generation. Actual, it's actual, I believe, plural. But um, he was righteous in his durations. And some people pick up on that and say, well, guess what? If he was living at the time of Abraham, he wouldn't be so righteous. Because Abraham was the definition of righteous. And Noah would just be psh, nothing. Okay? Um, and so there's one opinion there. But there's another opinion that says he was righteous in his generation because he was able to withstand the wickedness all around him that not many people could. Okay? We can look at it one of two ways. We can fill the glass halfway and look at it from two different angles. Um, But the lesson we need to learn from this at this time is that we are metaphorically in the same boat with Noah. Noah. The same will be probably said of you and me. If we try to do something to make a difference in the world, there will always be detractors. Some will see the thing that we do and rejoice and be glad and praise it. Others will see it and view the negative. And they'll view everything we do in a negative light. But no matter what others say or how they see us, we shouldn't allow other people to deter us from our mission. What is that mission? To shine the light of Torah and Messiah into this dark world. And so, um, you know, the, the waters of flood feel like they're rising around us, but guess what? We have a master, a rabbi, who did what? He walked on those waters. And he sang that song, These Boots Are... No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> these sandals are made... No. Walking all over you. Uh, <laughs> but, but, the, but the critical part is... You know, you're thinking, well, you know, he's, he's Yeshua. You know, he's a, I'm not. But Peter did. Okay? We're all Peters in some way or form or fashion, right? Some of us more than others in the sense of we, we have, we're hot-headed, we have doubt, we have impetuousness, whatever. Okay? Um, but Peter was able to walk on the water just like Yeshua. Because a disciple, when he is fully trained, will be like his master. 
And so he was able to walk on these waters and not let it get to him, except for when what happened? Took his eyes off Yeshua. And he focused on the problem rather than the solution. He focused on what he, instead of focusing on what he was supposed to be focused on, he got tied up in what was going on around him. You guys are well familiar, or at least most of you, I don't know, some of the background of, of some of the folks in here that are visiting today. Thank you again. Um, but you guys know the Shema. We sang part of it um, during our service a while ago. Um, do you know why the Shema is central to Judaism? Most people think it's a, simply a declaration that there aren't multiple gods. Well, that's true. But there's a much deeper purpose. We recite, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. We recite, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one, in order both proclaim to the world and to remind ourselves that there's only one power that rules this world, and He alone is truly in control. We continue by saying, Love him with all your heart and with all your soul, right? And the last one, meldecha, uh, you know, it's like with your muchness. What is that? You know, we, we translate it to a lot of times with your strength, but it really doesn't mean strength. We translate it your resources because that's a tangible way to do that. But basically, everything you have and more. Love him with that. And through our recitation of this, we attach ourselves to this one source, the divine source who is sovereign and supreme over all, trusting him even in the darkest hour. We proclaim, Hear, O Israel, that he will be our protection from the infestation of Hamas in this world. Now, I'm not talking about the organization, I'm talking about all of the Hamas in this world. We have to realize that the waters of the Mabul, the waters of the flood, all the war, rumors of war, craziness of uncertainty, even in the increase of violence that is currently being unleashed in the world will ultimately cleanse this evil from the face of the world. And where do we run? Where do we flee? We enter the Teva, we enter the Ark. And how? The list I put together. <clears throat> First, we can increase our Torah study. We can increase our prayers. We can increase our mitzvot. For those of you who may not know, this is um, your deeds or your, your commandment, the things that you take on commandments. <clears throat> we can join the Tehillim campaign. First of all, I want to thank you guys that have participated in this already. Tehillim campaign is reading through the Psalms together as a congregation. We're on Shalom at Home on our, on our network <clears throat> that we started like a week ago. And um, people post what chapters of the Psalms are reading, and we go through those sequentially, and we work together to read through the book of Psalms as many times as we can, praying. And, and probably, um, if you've never done that before, you're probably seeing as you're praying these things how many of these psalms are like, oh my goodness, this is applicable. 
This is exactly what Israel was facing when, they wrote, when David or whoever wrote this. And this, these are the situations that they were experiencing. This is the, the struggle, the, the real struggle that they were having. Okay, <clears throat> And you can join that, join, join our Shalom at Home network and get on that list and um, start praying with us. You can uh, join the Halalachim campaign that my wife started, if you're not familiar with that. Um, she is baking uh, challah uh, each week and selling it to raise money um, to donate to, to uh, relief of, of Israel and help support in any way we can. And it's just a little bit. We only do a few loaves a week. And um, it's not that everybody needs to come and, and buy challah, but what you can do is you can do something similar. Okay? You can buy a loaf for somebody else. You can, uh, one of the things that she's doing is, is that she is um, adding tea light candles into the thing with the challah. And so they, maybe somebody will light candles for the first time or, or whatever. And um, a, a prayer to recite for Israel as you're lighting candles. Okay? And so do things like that. Uh, we can strengthen our attachment to Yeshua, of course. We need to continually work on that. And spread Ahavat Chinam. Now, this is not something you put on your sandwich. Um, ahavat Chinam is baseless love. Okay? There's too much baseless hatred in the world. We can turn it around by spreading baseless love. Okay? If a person does something you don't like, if a person says something wrong to you, a person acts rude to you, a person cuts you off in traffic, that's going to be the hard one, um, you can be kind to them back instead of retaliating evil for evil. You can choose the right and choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. You can choose to love. I'll, I'll end with this quick story because it's very applicable. And Sabrina told it around the Shabbat table last night. <clears throat> she said she ran into um, somebody in the store this week, and they told them this story of, of, of anyway, they, their daughter was going to have a birthday party. I think this was last year or something. The daughter was going to have a birthday party, and she was inviting all these people and, and wanting people to come, and, and their, their best friends and their daughter's best friend as well, their family friends as well as their daughter's closest friend, was a family that lived right across the street from them, Okay. And as the birthday party is getting closer and closer, um, she's talking about it with, with um, the friends across the street, their best friends and everything, and, and her friend was sort of acting weird um, and just sort of getting a little distant and, and things like that. And then um, day of the birthday party, the family doesn't show up. Okay, we're like, what have we done? You know, what is going on here? I, I noticed that she's acting peculiar, but I wonder what we've done to offend them, you know? And they're like, I'm going to call and check on them, you know? And there he's like, no, let them, let them do whatever. And, uh, and then, anyway, the next time they saw each other, um, she mentioned something. She says, hey, we really missed you guys at the birthday party. And, and she says, why weren't you guys able to come? And she said, you forgot to invite us. I actually said, we weren't invited. And she says, what? You were on my list. 
She said, I forgot to invite you guys. And so she said, I figured that was the case, but I didn't, I didn't want to impose. And, and anyway, they, they made things right, and they're all good. But the, the, the lady and the family that didn't get invited could have just really been bent out of shape and taken it out on them, and that could have ended their friendship. But she, even though it hurt, she gave her the benefit of the doubt, and all things worked out. So that's a, one instance of how we can give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, we have hope through Yeshua that one day the Lord will turn all things around. And I'm going to leave you with this passage from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. It says, Hamas shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders, and you shall call your walls Yeshua and your gates praise. Violence shall no more be in your land, devastation and destruction within your borders, and you shall, you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. May it be soon and in our day. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.